My name is Jesse DeFelice, and I am a student at Bellevue College. My name is Kari Jabi. I am a student at Bellevue College. And my name is Sean Stewart, and we are here to discuss our takeaways from Ireland, um, how we feel after having visited Ireland, insights that we have about our own country here in the United States. So let's get started. Um, uh, Jesse, do you have any ideas or, or insights that you've taken away? I definitely have a couple on s- certain aspects, and I think this is my purpose uh, going on the trip for a scholarship, but definitely sustainability and how they are more conservative when it comes to power and energy and waste, even though they do have their own issues. Um, and one of the first things I noticed uh, was the amount of wind power and solar power, so a lot of natural energy they use in Ireland, and then compare it to United States where we're, you know, gas, oil, and then also the way we spend our energy. So like in Ireland, your heater is on a switch, so you don't always have hot water, or your power, as you learned the hard way, was our power going off, and then like you pay for the power first, and then you get it compared to the United States of you use how much ever you want and then you pay for it afterwards. So it's kind of like for me, it goes off of, I guess, the ideals of a country. So like America, it's like you, you use what you use and then you pay the consequences later and whatever those may be. And those are kind of harder to kind of come back and fix down the road because you just don't know the end point until you finally get that kind of reminder of, hey, use this much power or use this much water or use this much. But with Ireland, it's kind of like you're always constantly thinking about it of, okay, well, I'm going to take a shower at this time. I'm just going to turn it on for 10 minutes and then go off. And then it's like when your mindlessness doesn't cost anyone else, it's kind of like, oh, did I forget to turn off the water heater? I'll just turn it off later. Right. And I, I feel like you got to wonder where that comes from, too. Like, historically, I, I remember asking Neve about this after my power went off. I was like, oh, you know, that's that's neat that it's sort of a, a prepay thing. Maybe that conserves energy. And like you said, I was wondering whether is that an Irish cultural thing? And she, was, she, she started going back to the fact that there wasn't an abundance of energy resources for fuel, for warmth, right? People burned the bogs. And so that's definitely an aspect of it. But she also mentioned, well, part of it is they just don't have a lot of resources still. So maybe it's part of this conservation culture, but also you don't have a lot. And so you're forced to to uh, to conserve. Caddy, do you have any thoughts on sustainability in Ireland? Well, yeah, I also learned it the hard way because um, we, we went out, me and my roommates, we went out and came back. We didn't have light. It was a little bit uh, confusing, and then we went to front decks, and they told us the same thing. I I think it was um, really interesting that they do that, and I uh, like you said, I think it uh, will make people to be more conscious of the way they use um, energy. Because if you know that, oh, I put in five pounds, and I I want that to last for like five days, while in the US, I use power at the end of the month. PUD sends me a bill, and I pay. So I when I'm using it, I don't really care like is the light you know going to go off or you know if is is my water going to going to shut down so i think it's um really interesting that they are really um and by, um conscious about the way they use um energy in ireland Caddy, what are your thoughts what are your insights about the united states uh my insights um are that i think people in the united states especially in seattle are more friendly than people in ireland and i say this because um 
I got a lot of stares. People were staring at me. And I think that's partly because of, you know, my race. Whilst in the U.S., it's a different thing because I work with um, different, like, I work in a diverse, uh, in a workplace that is really diverse. So, and even outside, I don't get, you know, stared as much as I did in Ireland. And it's not like they would stare and say something or just smile, you know, like in the U.S. Even if people stare at you when you make eye contact, they smile at you. But in Ireland, it was a different thing. People look at you and especially if, you know, you're moving with, you know, people of different colors, they would look at you like, oh, why are they going together? So I I, I find that I, I personally, I think people in Seattle, especially, are more friendly than people in Ireland. Were there any experiences that you can recount in Ireland specifically, like a quick story of any particular moment that made you feel uncomfortable or made you feel that people in Ireland were were maybe hostile overtly to you? Um, no, not, I, not really. Like, like passive aggression sort of thing? Yeah, I, yeah, I, you, you, you can say that. Like I say, it was more of like people staring at you, like seeing you going with a group of people and looking at you like, why are they going together? So I, I that's how I interpret it, you know, because um, mostly I was moving around with people. I was not moving alone. But even like in restaurants, I, when we go out to eat, mm-hmm. I feel that, you know, I get more stares, like people looking at you in a different way because of the color of your skin. Yeah. Right. And and, and see, that surprises me because that's such a polar opposite from what I experienced in Ireland. And, and so there's this part of me that wants to challenge you yeah. and go, no, the Irish are so yeah. nice over there. Nice. Yeah. But that raises the point, right? Mm-hmm. That, that goes to your point that mm-hmm. there's differences in our skin color. There's differences in our background and our appearances, right? I had mentioned earlier that part of what I loved about Ireland was that I could pass somebody on the street and they'd make eye contact with me. And every time it was, how are you, right? Mm -hmm. Every single time without fail. And coming back and having the Seattle freeze here, people don't make eye contact. That was different. So it's interesting to to have a completely different experience in the same country with the same people. And it's also um, different, um, not different. I I, um, I felt the diversity more when we got to Dublin, even though we just, you know, spent one day there. Yeah, yeah you know, th- that's the city. I, I think I told, t- I was t- talking to Tim about that. I said, um, you know, I felt more diversity in Dublin because I was seeing, you know, different people. I was seeing people, you know, in the veil. I was like, oh, like they have a lot of Muslims. I was talking to one of my friends and I was saying, oh, I saw a lot of Muslims in Ireland, in Ireland. But you can't say that for the whole country. We went to Donegal, so it's different, you know, from Dublin, you know, it, um, it makes sense too because um, a lot of them are like immigrants, and usually immigrants live in like cities because that's you know because more opportunities, education and stuff. So it's not surprising that I saw a, a lot more diversity in Dublin than in um, in Donegal. All right, so let's move on. Um, one of the biggest insights that I think I had, or, or one of the more interesting ones. Um, came from learning a little bit about um, the background of the Troubles. Um, when Neve was talking about something called the Orange Order, um, the, one of the organizations formed to protect Protestants in Northern Ireland, um, who were a minority also in Northern Ireland. And, and that drew parallels um, to the civil rights movement in the United States and how whenever there's a big push for civil rights, there's always sort of a re- reactionary response where people want to form organizations to protect what they want and so I, or, or protect the power and privilege that they have in the society. And so seeing that 
there's huge parallels between completely different areas was really striking to me. And it made me realize that the United States and, and the struggles um, that happened there, they're not alone and they're, they're not isolated, that patterns of inequality and um, oppression and then, you know, eventually gaining civil rights but still continuing to struggle. Like that's universal and it appears in different ways. Um, <clears throat> and it appears it, it, it's striking that in the United States, even against huge reactionary forces from ultra conservatives and, and um, white nationalists, right, um, that many are able to remain nonviolent and hold the higher ground. I think that's really interesting. And, and um, it says a lot about um, oppressed people in our country that they're that they're able to hold their own. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and one of the, the also another big factor that I saw um, with going to that, it reminded what you were talking about, reminded me of a lot of the museum in Derry and how, you know, all these struggles and the nonviolence can turn violent. And, you know, how I learned in deviance class here that, you know, with the orders that um, the British got, it, you know, Derry got an apology from the prime minister. That was their 40 years of fighting the unjust murders of 14 protesters who were not armed. That's what they got was an apology. They don't have any prosecutions, any, you know, any other actions done other than apology. And for me, I guess, as an outsider looking in, like I was very angry and upset that, you know, 14 lives were lost innocently and all you got was an apology. You can't really... Um, I, in my opinion, you, there's no price to pay for taking another human's life. And it reminds me of, um, I guess it goes off of timing, and I kind of just lost my Maybe thought. Maybe police too. shootings in the United States? Yeah, and police shootings. There isn't necessarily justice <coughs> after the fact. You yeah. know. And, and it goes into, I guess, you know, the big question is, is it the apple or the barrel? And where where do you go to, you know, whose fault is it for... The shootings, like um, what our instructor was saying or the tour guide was saying, how, um, you know, he wants the soldier prosecuted, but going down the whole line, it was like, whose fault is it? Because the soldier was following in their orders and then the general was following in their orders. And then it's like, who is the main person you point out to pay for all of this when there's so many people involved and, you know, goes back into, like, police shootings here? Do we get the officer fired, even though that's what they, they are taught to do? That is their protocol. Or, or, or even wider systems of oppression here, right? Yeah. I mean, whose fault is it? Who do we blame? You know, I, you put a, a few bad people in jail, and that doesn't solve racism, yeah. right? So, so, so what do you do, right? Caddy, do you have any thoughts on on this? Yeah, um, it also um, you talk about Neve and when she was explaining, it also reminds me of um, a term in political science called framing. Um, like when an incident happens, the way people frame it, the way the government frames it, the way the media frames it. In um, I remember when we were in Derry, they um, like the, the the soldiers like when after they killed, they said, "Oh, those people were armed." But in reality, they were not. Who they, said that? Like, uh, I, I remember Neve was explaining and the, said, the you British. know, the British said, oh, they killed those people because they were armed. We, right. yeah, we see, um, like, even, even right now, sometimes that happens. Like, when the police, the, substance or yeah, they should have, uh, yeah, they, he, they were, he or she was armed when in reality they were not. The way the media frames it, the way the government frames it, or the way the, 
the police will frame it is totally different so um at the end of the day like you said it's about who was giving the orders they were giving the orders and also they were the same people who would come back and give the narrative and say oh we we had to retaliate because they were coming yeah. for us they were armed when it, when they were just civilians who were just who went out with the aim of you know going for non-violent direct direct action and it turned out brutal it's like they turn the tables, um, pressers and victims, and yeah. Yeah. the pressers become the victims in their own exactly. narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Also goes, I guess, into perspective because, you know, if you had, if you didn't have the false plantings of like the um, nail bomb or you know weapons, it'd be very clear cut. These protesters were unarmed. And for our listeners, there was a planting of a nail bomb in the protest, the unarmed protest mm-hmm. by the yeah. the. The, the government of the United Kingdom to make it look as if this were a terrorist plot. Yeah, and it was also that they were not unjustly murdered or shot, um, that they had reason to suspect that the soldiers' lives were also in danger. But it goes into perspective, and, you know, you don't really have the full story until, you know, you look at all the evidence of, you know, 40 years of still looking into this, and luckily enough, people still looked into this, and fought for this to be looked into because, you know, I guess you always hear the common saying, victors write history, you know, they're the ones that live to tell it. So I was, it's good that, you know, Ireland and Britain continued the investigations because mm-hmm. Britain could have easily been like, okay, uh, this was not murder, it was justified, and we're good. Okay, I think we have time for one final idea. Um Jesse, you've been sort of biting to talk about religion, and then maybe we can uh, get a little input from Caddy to uh, to end out the the program. So we didn't really cover this in Ireland as in depth as the, as the other topics that we uh, talked about, but I know for a lot of us, we did a lot of research for our own individual topics, and for mine, uh, individual was for specifically transgender rights, and I know Hannah also did gay rights and just, you know, civil rights. And it, it makes me really interested in to see how Ireland has such a strong religious background and religious ties into the government. But for something that I've seen and in my own personal opinion, they've been pretty progressive and pretty fast on changing these laws. Like, for this example, same-sex marriage was... Um, legalized in 2015 and specifically for transgender rights um for in the united states for you to get your gender identity changed you depending on the state need to get a uh, psychological diagnosis of like almost like a mental disorder then you have to go through hormone replacement therapy that is approved by a doctor and all these surgeries that lots just cost a lot of like just the and over and it also goes into privilege because it's so much money. Right. But in but Ireland, it's, it's also asking you, are you sure? Yeah, are it's like, sure? are you sure? And are then you also sure? just yeah. hoping you know, that you would change your mind yeah. in the process. And also just the socialization of all the surgeries just go into the binaries of men and women. There's a lot of history in that that I, I won't really go so on. So what's it like in Ireland? So in Ireland, in 2000, I believe, I think it was 2015 or 16, they have something called the Gender Recognition um, Act, where anyone can go to a place like a court and legally proclaim the gender they identified with. And that's it. You don't need no surgeries. You don't need a doctor's diagnosis. At least that, from what I have researched and what have I, I've seen, it's nothing like the United States of all this mandating and policing. Do you know which bathrooms people can use? 
uh, whichever ones they identify with. It's, okay. it's, it's like, it's just like, boom. And it's not obviously like, boom, but like for the legalization right. and the, the safety of it, like they still have, you know, the social aspect of it. But for the simple fact to have the government behind an oppressed group, like we've been talking with civil rights and, you know, racism and, and you know, another. Right. You know, but just. So, so how does religion play into this, as you were saying? So a lot of. Um, like a lot in the United States, you see a lot of religious arguments, like especially for same sex marriage of like Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve. And like in the Bible, it says this in the Bible, it says that. And then I know I've heard some quotes against transgender people and like the, you know, God gave you that body, you know, God did everything for a reason or, you know, God, I just hear a lot of God in it. And then for, you know, a country that is so rooted, even in their government, in, you know... Uh, Seems like a different tone. Yeah, the, they have, I guess, an open conversation, and for my own personal opinion, but they have one of the more progressive laws considering uh, transgender rights versus the United States where we're free and, you know, and all this kind of stuff, and, you know... You, we like to remain really like neutral religion, but we're mainly a Christian nation. And right. then, you know, religion is not supposed to tie into our government, but yet you hear a lot of religious arguments. But in Ireland, that's the opposite. I mean, I bet there are people that have religion, like abortion. Right. So it's fair to mention as well that um, driving through the streets of Ireland, you can see banners um, that are um, very anti-abortion and, or sorry, Yes, very anti-abortion, anti-choice. Until um, you get into and, the city, you right. see the and they're and they're it's their Catholic messaging as yeah. well that's incorporated in the the posters and flyers. So so there is sort of a pushback about this. Yeah. But you, if I'm hearing you right, you're saying that Ireland compared to the United States has more progressive um, policies around identity issues across the board. In my opinion, in my and the research small, you've yeah, done. in the in the small research that I've done, it was just a thought in my mind to be like, you know, they've had religious, you know, almost civil wars of you know Protestant Catholics, but yet for a country to be mainly rooted in like a religion, for them to do something this progressive and not do the are you sure, are right. you sure? Well, it's interesting it's, that we we. Or, or, or you're suggesting that Ireland is so progressive. And earlier we were talking about how, you know, on, on, on the streets at the ground level mm-hmm. that, you know, caddy was being looked at differently, right? Yeah. So um, maybe the people's implicit biases are there and, you know, yeah. it's, maybe it's selective, um, even in a system that we think is more progressive than ours about, mm-hmm. you know, who is actually enfranchised and to what extent, yeah. right? Um, maybe people that look like, People yeah. in Ireland, quote unquote, yeah, right? and especially like with the are the ones that are more likely to be given these more liberal ideas or, yeah. or liberal rights. Caddy, yeah. um, do you have any, any final thoughts about Ireland or or? Uh, well, yeah, I I really enjoyed myself in Ireland. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. I think I would want to go back, but I would want to be in Dublin. What's the, what's, <laughs> what's the most fun thing that you did in Ireland? Uh, the most fun thing that I did was um, when we went for the hiking. Right. I, I hate, right? yeah, I, I hate hiking. I don't do it in the U.S., but I was really glad that I got to go. And I did a lot of walk in Ireland yeah. because I don't get to do that here. I drive from work to school and back home. And I was glad that we did those excursions and then you have to like do a lot of work. Yeah. I, I was really glad I did that. I think that was a really good exercise for me. Do you think that's going to change um, how you operate here in the United States? Or are you, 
it's going to be difficult for me to do that here right. simply because I um, I'm a really busy person here. I, Ireland, I huh? have like <laughs> I have two jobs and I'm also a full time student, uh-huh. so I responsibilities responsibilities here. here than Ireland. So it's going to be a little hard. But I try when I came back, I actually tried to do like to walk at least like <laughs> thirty minutes in a day. I have right. yeah, I've been trying to do that, and so far so good. So far so good. <laughs> yeah. Jesse, do you, what was the what was the favorite takeaway? What what, did you, what was the most fun thing that you did in Ireland? Everything was pretty fun, but one of the things that I'm trying to take from Ireland that something Tim mentioned was just getting away from your phone. Yeah. And just, like, I'm trying to turn my phone off for yeah. two hours a day to do something I like and not worry about, oh, who's texting me? What's this going on? And it was just being, I guess, living in Ireland and experiencing. Because I bet if some, like, some of us did have service and those people were definitely on their phones, but for the majority of us were always, like, Encaptivated what was around us to really like experience it. So that's what I'm trying to bring back. It's kind of like look Live around in the me. moment. Yeah. yeah. Put yeah. the phone down, have a human conversation. Yeah. Right. Before 1994 or 1990, <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, we wouldn't know, but yeah. Um, Tim, that's more for you. Yeah, that's, that's for you, Tim. <laughs> Tim, if you're listening. Yeah. Um, I think the thing I enjoyed most, and I was very surprised surfing. Serving was very great. fun, very I, fun, I, very, very new thing. You missed out. It was, <laughs> yeah. um, I guess, the or probably because I don't yeah. swim. I don't have oh, to oh, swim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I'm like, no, well, I'm I, you know, I got bashed around a lot, but I, I still enjoyed it. It was fun. It's still fulfilling. I somehow convinced BJ to take me surfing in Oregon. I, um, I'm going to freeload off there, borrow some stuff from him, and go nice. surfing. So. Uh, he understands. That's the reason why he went back is just, <laughs> just a yeah. guy that knows the other people that are on this trip. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, that concludes our discussion about our takeaways from Ireland and how they relate to the United States. This is from Bellevue College.